And to create big moments requires creativity, but it requires engineering, requires these two different sides of the brain. And I think with Empire, what we've been able to do is to deploy these abundant skill sets and resources to consistently on behalf of clients, elevate moments. So our new mission statement, which we're sort of rolling out internally, is that we produce moments that matter. Welcome to No More Bad Events, a fun and insightful podcast for professional event organizers and for anyone at any level interested in producing nothing but the best events. Each week, we'll talk with legendary event professionals to get an inside look into what they think makes a great event. And in the process, we'll draw out insider secrets, non-traditional approaches, and compelling stories from the most captivating personalities in the business. We'll definitely get the skinny on reaching that one big goal. No more bad events. I'm your host, Scott Bloom, comedian, event MC, and now your podcast host. Let's get started. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers, the most trusted, easy-to-use, full-service online platform for finding, connecting with, and hiring the best keynote speakers, hosts, and presenters in the world. With the deepest catalog of professionals available through the eSpeakers marketplace, you can be assured that the speaker you book will be the absolute best speaker based on your goals, bar none. eSpeakers, the number one way to find your next perfect speaker. For more information, go to eSpeakers.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another electrifying episode of No More Bad Events. Before we kick off this incredible show, I want to give a shout out to our amazing listeners who've been tuning in and supporting this show over this past year. We're now in our second season and we have some incredible guests lined up for these upcoming months. So make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast. Today, wow, you came to listen on a good day. We have a special guest in the house, the one and only J.B. Miller. J.B. is president and CEO of Empire Entertainment and a seasoned expert who knows how to turn any event into an unforgettable extravaganza. J.B. brings a unique perspective to the table with a deep understanding of the entertainment industry gained through various roles. He has respect for the unsung heroes of event production, like stage managers and lighting directors, who contribute to the seamless execution of each project. JB's extensive knowledge and experience empower them to make fearless decisions and offer valuable ideas. We also discuss JB's earlier days in talent buying and securing services for events, working with renowned artists like Adele, Taylor Swift, Keith Urban, and Bruno Mars. Discover how he navigates negotiations and brings headline entertainers to their clients' events. And uh, let's not forget about JB's humble beginnings. Back in 1993, he founded Empire Entertainment without a specific plan, but with a vision as broad as the universe itself. We'll explore how this vision evolved over time, staying connected to global trends and injecting innovation into every event they touch. 
So grab a snack, turn up the volume, and get ready for an episode filled with valuable insights, inspiration, and a whole lot of fun. Because here on No More Bad Events, we're all about making every event a roaring success. So here's my conversation with J.B. Miller, the mastermind behind the magic and the one who's always striving to produce moments that matter. So I'm glad we're getting a chance to talk. I mean, I think we've known each other for quite a while now. I mean, at least, you know, 20 years. The last thing I did for you, I don't know if you recall, but I do, because it was pretty momentous occasion. I did an event for, I think it was Prudential Insurance to Asia. They came into LA, they wanted a big LA experience, and you booked John Travolta, and I got a chance to interview That's him. That's right. That's right. That was a fun event. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And you remember that. That's pretty funny. Well, it was John Travolta. I mean, he he was so nice, you know, to work with and, you know, very charming. And the, the audience just ate it up. It was a great fit. I think the objective was to give these people from Asia a real Hollywood experience. Right. Now, you look a little bit like John Travolta in my room. And if you're in the Asian audience, maybe you look even more like John Travolta. Could they tell who was Travolta? <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. I mean, I think you're half kidding. But when I met Travolta backstage, he said, oh, my God, you look like you could be my brother. <laughs> I think we have similar features. But yeah, that was, that's kind of funny. So let's talk about Empire Entertainment. From what I understand, you'll be celebrating Empire's 30th anniversary at the end of the month or the end of the year. Is this where you thought you'd see your company in 30 years? Is this what your master plan was? It really was. You know, not necessarily in the specifics. And, uh, you know, looking back to 1993, I'm not sure I could have, like, predicted exactly where we'd have offices or how many people or the nature of our client mix and the kind of work that we did. But as a broad concept, a company that was a genre agnostic producer that could do a meeting or a concert or a television special or whatever, that was very much part of the plan. As a company that was not specifically and only regionally focused in, say, New York or where we had sales offices, that was truly a global player, both in terms of who we served and the range of operations in which we executed, was very much part of the plan. A company that continued to be novel and innovative and in a feedback loop with the world zeitgeist, constantly looked at what do people care about? What are they listening to? What do they watch? What ideas are important? What industries are coming up? What are the issues of our time? And remaining interested and engaged in listening to that and then finding a way to feed that back in the form of experiences and events uh, was very much on the docket you know, from that time. And our practices, you know, have evolved and improved year by year, project by project. So I think in many regards, the blueprint of the company I had in mind in 1993 is still very much the company that I lead. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, a lot of people have a vision for something, but you had a very specific vision, especially capturing the zeitgeist of what's going on. And when I think of Empire Entertainment, I, you know, I see, I get your newsletters, I see your posts. You folks are definitely involved in a lot of big events, events that, you know, impact the world. What was one of your last events where you felt that Empire Entertainment gave the audience exactly what they wanted and really showcased what was going on at that event? Well, I mean, I think to some degree, every event that we do, we're ultimately catering to what the audience wants. So the success of what we did is purely driven by the objectives communicated by the client. 
I'll answer that in two ways. You know, we recently were honored to serve Fox Corporation to help them produce their upfront. And if you're familiar with an upfront, it is a very large one-shot deal, the entire organization presenting their value proposition to the advertising buying community, media buyers, planners, advertisers, advertising executives, as well as, you know, media and folks that are covering the industry. So it's quite an important undertaking for Fox or ABC or NBC or CBS or anyone who holds an upfront to make sure that you get it right because you are really going in front of your entire customer base and saying, here's why you should do more business with us in the coming year. And the success or failure of those kinds of projects has consequences or benefits that are measured in the hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more. So with Fox, we worked very carefully to come up with a I think a really proper narrative that reflected exactly who they are as an organization and why they are special, not just as an overall organization, but also specifically among Fox News, sports, entertainment, Tubi, their streaming service, and, and so on. And to craft a, a statement which was both true in the largest form about Fox Corporation and its values and its new leadership under Lynn Murdoch, but also very true to legacy advertisers who have always been advertising on Fox Sports and the Super Bowl and and so on. So I think that was an instance where we worked really closely with Fox. You know, it's it's not like we produce the event. It's a partnership at that level. Everybody is working together and doing different roles. And it's about uniting everybody around a common vision and execution. But I think that was one where despite all of the challenges and all of the stakeholders and all of the chefs in the kitchen, despite a writer's strike, despite, you know, all the challenges that, you know, came down on us, we just kind of collectively nailed it and got the right message to the right people at exactly the right moment. And that's something that you take a lot of pride in because it's like, you know, it's like landing a Mars landing. It's like right. so much can go wrong. And then like, you know, when the solar sails unfurl, you're like, yes. That was yeah. I, I mean, I saw I saw some of the pictures, uh, some of the photos looked amazing. So, what do you believe makes a successful collaboration? Obviously, you were in partnership with Fox; they had their vision. You were there to amplify their vision and also add your creativity. How do you approach building these strong partnerships? There's no secret to it. I mean, first off, you have to like working with people. You have to be interested in what they have to contribute. You have to know how to be a team player, but you also have to know how to sometimes provide the structure necessary for progress to be made. So we play, you know, both of those roles. I think, I mean, what makes a great partnership is just, you know, honesty, transparency, true commitment to like the thing that we're doing. I use this metaphor frequently that, you know, if I'm making Lord of the Rings and somebody else is making Tower Heist, right? <laughs> thing I could think of. The movie's not going to really hang together, right? Like everybody's got to be working on the same page from the same script, you know, with the same vision in mind. So I think a big part of my job and some of our colleagues, you know, here at Empire, as well as our freelancers and vendors and our clients, is just getting it right. Are we all seeing it from every angle in the same way? And taking the extra time to make sure, you know, are we baking a cake or a pie? And if we're not clear on it, let's take the time and make sure that we know we're making a cake and what kind of cake and how many layers it is and all that sort of stuff. So that when we actually begin the process, we're not all scrambling and doing something different. We're all pulling in the oars in the same direction. And that's not special or magic. It's just hard to pull off across a lot of people. And anyone who's ever worked in a large organization, in a corporate job, whether you're working on events or not, knows that not everybody is aligned. Right. There are secret agendas. People do and don't like each other. There are, 
people that want you to fail. There's, you know, I never want to die or this company. I always wanted to do this. There's people that hang on to the first creative idea that they had. And even though we've all decided to make the other one, they won't give it up and they keep trying to work against you to bring it back to their vision. That's hard. So we kind of take a lot of time to kind of eradicate any lack of unity at the beginning so that it doesn't bedevil the project when we get into the weeds. So you're acting as executive producer, I assume, on a lot of these projects. Is, is that accurate? So creative everything comes from the producer, creative director. Oh, and, and creative director. And, and yeah. I've seen you on I've seen you on site with the headset. I think you're even calling the show sometimes, right? You call some very, very big shows. Yeah. Tell me how that has helped you in, you know, envisioning some of these projects because you've played a lot of different roles. How has that helped you in designing some of these big events? Well, I've spent a lot of time in the industry and I have worn the headset, as you say, in so many different jobs that I actually understand what a stage manager does, what a lighting director does, what a talent wrangler does, or a talent booker or an entertainment lawyer does. The fact that I understand that and have done it gives me a certain amount of respect for the contributions of those individuals, a certain amount of making space for them to work in the way that they need to work. And also a certain mastery of like the big picture. Some of my clients are at a disadvantage because they don't necessarily know how all the pieces work. And they're a little bit like this big, complicated production is intimidating to me. I don't know what I know, what I don't know. I I don't know if we're getting this right. Is there a better idea? Many people have doubts because they just don't understand every piece of, you know, the components. My confidence in understanding all the component pieces gives me a certain fearlessness so that I can show up in a room and say, here's what we should do. Here's why we should do it. And to speak with some authority. And it may not seem intuitively obvious, but when you do that, it kind of saves everybody time. Because if you show up for a big Zoom call with 26 people and everybody's like, what should we do? And you talk about what should we do for 90 minutes? And then you hang up with, well, these are all good ideas, but what should we do? Let's schedule another call nothing gets done. So part of my job sometimes is just to show up and say, listen, I got you. (laughs) I know how it works. I want to hear exactly what you want to do. And we'll take that and we'll implement that. However, the next action steps are bing, bing, and bing. And that's what we now have to do. So with permission, allow us to proceed. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of handholding. There's also being that person that they have trust in and you have to exude you know, that authority and trust and and knowledge and experience. So anything come to mind where the client was a little bit, it was, you know, because a lot of times you're dealing with folks who this might be their first big event. As you said, you've done it before. Are there any techniques that you use to get them to not only trust you, but to be able to see exactly what you see? Sure. I think one of our big innovations is just providing tools for transparency, right? It's one thing to say, you're going to walk into the ballroom and it's going to be this sort of lavish waterfall of purple drape and scintillating light. And you're going to hear this sound at the end of a tunnel. And there's going to be this harpist wearing butterfly wings, you know, in silhouette. And like, that's the experience. Like I can talk that through. I can paint a picture, which I think you have in your mind, as I just said that, But it's better to actually render it and say, and here's how big the the aperture is going to be. And here's the sample of the drape. And here's an example of how we're planning to light it. And this is what we're thinking. And here's the song sample that we want. The more we can paint a picture and use really concrete specifics, 
the more we demystify the thing that we're trying to create. And I, I think a big part of the effort and the success formula, frankly, is just making sure that when we get on site, we've left nothing to guesswork or chance. Everyone has a complete understanding of exactly how the registration lines are going to lay out and that this one is A to Z and this one is you know M to O or, or so on. The more we can provide detail in advance and make sure that everyone has a locus of control sees it, understands it, has asked their questions, and shares the same vision, the more we're making the same movie. That must be exciting when you start to see them see and their confidence starts to build and they can actually yeah. see what you're seeing. And as you're saying, it's a good point is give them the the renderings, give them the even the fabric so they can see what's going on. So there isn't that guesswork because they're under a lot of pressure, a lot of these event planners that you're working with. So that's a, I think that's great. Yeah. And also, you know, it should be no surprise to anyone. A lot of my clients got into this field because they themselves are creative people or think of themselves as creative people. So when we do that kind of a process and we say, here's what we were thinking for, you know, the tunnel and so on, and we just depict it for them, that's their cue to say, oh, and also what if we did a this or, you know, like they make contributions too. It's not like just they hire us and we go and make a thing for them. Going back to your point about collaboration, it's about creating a shared dynamic where our best ideas can be coupled with their best ideas in a working relationship. Yeah, I mean, collaboration is so important in, in this industry. There's yeah. a couple of producers that I've worked with where I knew that if I was emceeing an event and some idea happened just before I was about to go out, I like working with those producers that I can say, hey, what if I did this as opposed to, hey, this is locked down. We don't want to take any chances. That's where yeah. magic happens. Exactly. And I will say I recently, and this is something that I was you know, very you know, pleased with, I recently was awarded the first ever Collaborate America Award. And it was, you know, at the Time Center in New York. It was, you know, it was it was a great achievement. And they were basically a gentleman, a friend of mine wrote, wrote a book called Collaboration Artists. Oh, David Adler. He was on the podcast. In yeah. fact, I remember you now being at that event. That's right. So David wrote uh, Collaboration Artists uh, with some contributors. And he interviewed, you know, not just people in the event space, but that's, you know, a lot of who he knows, but people from various walks of life. And he looked at what makes great collaboration artists in conjunction with the launch of the book, they created this award. And I was the recipient of the first ever Collaborate America Award. And that's something I, I really did take a lot of pride in because like, you know, what else should you be proud of? Like <laughs> the ability to bring people together and work together with people. That's, you know, I'm not going to win a Nobel Peace Prize, but that one that nailed it. Yeah, it feels like the whole team is winning, that it's not just you. You facilitated it so that the team could be better, that the event could be better. I think it's That's, great. Yeah. And it's not just me. It's, you know, all the people out here, you know, in the, you know, in the office that are, you know, working and, you know, designing and doing things that I don't necessarily know how to do. Do you prefer to work with the same people? Are there a lot of people who are your go-tos that you're always getting on these jobs because you know they're not only are they the best, but they're copacetic with you as well and your team. Sure. I'm 50-50. I love working with trusted partners and returning to them, but I also really love new collaborations and people that look at things in a different way. Maybe I'm just a little more fearless, you know, about it. But I, if I was working with only the same core group of people with the same ideas and the same approach to everything every time, I think our work would, you know, become convergent at a certain point. And, you know, you start to do the same thing, recycle the same ideas. 
I'm working with, you know, any number of new collaborators now, and they're making us look at it and, oh, I never saw anybody do that before. That's a totally different take on how to organize that. So assimilating, you know, not just new ideas, but new process is a big part of like why I, I continue to show up and be excited. Oh, well, that's exciting to hear because, you know, a lot of people, I mean, the event industry is changing. A lot of people are aging out. So almost by necessity, we need to bring younger people in. But I love that idea of bringing in people. There's a, a new alchemy that's going to happen when someone else is coming. And it does yeah. take someone who's somewhat fearless, knowing that, hey, you know, this is the trusted way, but let's try to do something new and exciting. Do new exciting things every day. I mean, we're, you know, we're using AI in many, many forms now and a lot of the things that we're doing, you know, and there's a lot of consternation about like, oh, AI is going to take our jobs and change the world and everything, you know, no more or less than the internet, no more or less than fire combustion engine or electricity for that matter. So I think embracing change is a really big part of what we do, you know, ultimately, and that's part of what makes it refreshing. So besides AI, from your perspective, what are some of the noticeable and notable trends or changes you observed in, in the event industry over the years? What's the big shift from your perspective? There's no one shift. I mean, I think events, if I can tell the whole history, when I first got into the business, like literally over three and a half decades ago, events were either personal party, a birthday, a, you know, a wedding, a bar mitzvah, something like that. Or there was this sort of like weird kind of closed door backwater, you know, like business meeting, sales meetings, management retreats, and so on. And it was not only an American practice, but, you know, Americans were progressive and innovative. So, you know, they embraced them a lot, you know, like major corporations had regular meetings all the time, and it was part of how they did business. I think that over time, people started to understand and not just corporations, but brands and consumers and not-for-profits and NGOs, that getting people together, convening at mass is the way you get big things done. We borrowed the trick from major corporations, and now you have all kinds of conferences in South by Southwest and C2 and all these other things you know, happening around the world. So I think one change I've seen is just the acceptance, the adoption of events. And, you know, you talk about the product life cycle, right? You know, the invention of the product, the adoption, then there's a huge upswing. And then over time, it kind of becomes stale. And then it kind of levels off, you know, over time. In my career, I've seen the adoption of events and the acceleration of using events and convenings for purpose to have grown tremendously. And while that may have led more progressively in the United States, now you see it much more in European countries, you know, you see it more in Asia and Pacific or Latin America that practice is now proliferating more and more around the world. So there's just been a growth of the use of events as a device to do things. I think also, you know, in the beginning, there was less rigor for about objectives and KPIs. Let's do an event. Let's get everyone together. Like CEO is going to be happy. He's going to slap everyone on the back. We're going to have a great couple of days in the desert. And then we're going to come back a healthier, better company and, you know, spend some money on it. And I'm not sure that I actually like worked. Maybe it worked. Maybe, you know, like people had some good memories and everything, but like now, we become a lot more rigorous about like, what are you trying to accomplish? What would success look like? Are we trying to change people's perception? What percentage of the audience's perception could we flip the vote on? Are you trying to sell new product? Well, how much product could we sell out of this product introduction here? So really starting to ask, not just what are you trying to get out of the convening, but to really understand the mechanisms by which you can accomplish that. So if I say, you know what, I found when I sit down one-on-one -on -one with an executive leader 
and a buyer, and I get to really explain why they should be adopting AI into our cloud-based systems that we're doing, we make a sale and that becomes part of our business relationship with that enterprise you know, technology customer and so on. Great. If that's what we understand, then let's scale. How could we go from 36 one-on-ones in year one to 136 one-on-ones in year two? Because that's a specific metric that we understand actually drives change, moves the needle on progress. So the industry and ourselves especially have become a lot more sharp about making sure that we understand the relationship, understand objectives and understand the relationship between the thing that we're producing and the outcome that we hope to produce. I know you deal with a lot of high profile entertainment. Tell me a little bit about that side of your business because sure. it's you've got some impressive names. I, I know you just had a big event. I'm, I'm gonna miss a lot of the names, but you know, if you want to reference, you know, something that's happened last month, but tell us a little bit about that experience with the entertainers and the and the partnership you have with them. Sure. I mean, look, my original core competency in the early days of my career, I worked for Ron Delsner concerts, I worked for MTV, I was an intern at David Letterman at NBC. I was a talent buyer for another company. So my original specialization, if you will, was knowing what talent was out there, having the relationships with the artists, the managers, the agents, the publicists, and then being able to secure their services in the context of whatever I was producing. So, you know, if IBM was producing a big meeting and they needed a big headline entertainer, it would be my job to say, well, here's 12 ideas of people like from Hall and Oates to Huey Lewis to, you know, John Mayer, you know, that would be a good fit for your audience. And here's how much they cost. And here's what I could negotiate based on this. And I would book and secure and contract and then ultimately produce those artists in that setting. A big part of Empire's business continues to be that buying and selling and producing of headline entertainment, whether it's music, comedy, celebrity, published authors, politicians, you know, variety performers, you name it. You know, over the years, Empire has worked with everybody from Adele and Taylor Swift and Rihanna and Sting and Bruno Mars and Prince and Jay-Z, you know, to much more obscure talent, <laughs> the Dalai Lama, you know, if you will. Right. No, I remember that. I remember when you posted that. That was great. And, you know, still today, that's a big part of what we do. So in the last months, we've had everybody from John Legend and Christina Aguilera to Keith Urban from Alicia Keys and Jerry Seinfeld to Stevie Wonder. You know, we still are very much booking, buying, producing, delivering, and presenting that talent. You know, the John Travolta thing that we did together that I didn't even remember. So that's a, that's a big part of our business. And it's something that I continue to love. I'm also now increasingly looking at those individuals as collaborators, not so much transactionally like I booked this artist for X dollars and they're going to do X minutes in front of X number of people for you know a sales conference. Now those relationships have flourished to the degree where we're doing other things with those artists. So, you know, for example, many years ago, we helped launch the Diary of Alicia Keys for Clive Davis, you know, for her album launch there. And then that grew into a relationship with Keep a Child Alive, a charitable organization. And then we were brought in and created the Black Ball with Alicia Keys. And for 13 years or so, this became one of New York's biggest and best charity events. And we would have, you know, Alicia and her band performing with everybody from Charday and Cheryl Crow to Gwen Stefani and Usher and, you know, you name it. It just became one of New York's biggest and best fundraising events. And that really just grew out of the comfort and the relationship with Alicia Keys, her camp, her management, ourselves and, and the charitable organization. 
Well, what was amazing listening to you is that you you named, you listed off, and I know you're not showing off, it's just the people you work with are the biggest names in entertainment, plain and simple. Why do you think Empire is so connected to these entertainers? Is there a level of trust even from them that they know, okay, they know who you are and that's why we're working with them? I mean, it it comes from many different places, but I, I think the low road answer is we have been focused on providing a marketplace for fame longer and more deeply than anybody else. There are agencies, a creative artist agency that represent as agency, the talent, mm-hmm. they don't represent the client. There's no one that I know of who has been in the corner of the client for as many decades as we have leveling the playing field in a negotiation, having a producer that speaks the language of the talent, but also is a steward for their spend to make sure that like, we get the talent that we want, that they do what we ask them to do, and that it is a mutually beneficial relationship, not a one-sided disproportionate relationship. So on top of producing everything and stage managing and creative directing, you're also buying talent that must give, you know, the people you're working with, you know, some sense of security. They know you're just not buying, as you said, for the client side and also from the the entertainment side. Besides entertainment, what do you think also separates Empire Entertainment from other organizations? We like to never do the same thing twice. We try to push the needle on just creativity. You know, like, let's try something different. You know, like, even if it's like, let's change the seating configuration. Let's change the look of the stage. Maybe we do different shaped screens. Maybe we don't start with the, you know, awards program and then go to the cocktail reception. Maybe we do the cocktail reception, get them pretty drunk, and then put them in an awards thing. Tweaking the different elements and parameters to continually try to find the best formula for experience is something that sets us apart. I'm pretty demanding. So like, you know, when somebody puts a set design in front of me or a furniture selection or, you know, a talent list, I mean, my first instinct is always like, what else do you got? Like, I've seen that. I've done that. Like, look at who we're serving. They demand and require the absolute best. So let's push ourselves. Like, they're not hiring us for the same idea that they had last year. So what new can we give them? Because if we stop being new and we stop being relevant, why work with us? I think that's a unique perspective. You know, it seems like a very, obviously it's a genuine perspective, but it's a perspective that a lot of people can't access because of fear. As you said, you're clearly a fearless creative, that you're always trying to push the envelope, you know, for yourself, for your clients. And that's why probably these people come back to you year and year again. You're not going to be giving them the same old thing. And they, there's a lot of, you know, once again, in these collaborations, these partnerships, there must be a lot of trust, which has got to be very satisfying for you. JB, you can't do this all on your own. I know you have a team that's doing it, but it's all coming through you. Do you have a lot of other JBs there that do what you do, or are you on spearheading everything and then it comes down from you? I play a unique role in this company, but it is absolutely a collaboration. I have a very strong chief of staff, you know, who kind of like runs our operations in here, who is, uh, you know, without whom it would be very hard for me to be as productive as I am. We have a head of creative, we have a head of technical production, we have a head of finance, we have a head in-house counsel, we have a strong leadership structure in place on our producer communities, and we have a strong methodology of putting together these different archetypical people, an account executive, a producer, creative director, a technical director on every project and a way to make them work together so that all the angles are are considered. 
I think while I do play a unique role, what I've also done is tried to set up a dynamic through which other creative and logistical, you know, organizational people are able to work and handle like the vast majority of things. That allows me to step back a little bit and focus on what's the creative fairy dust that we put on the top of this entire thing. Is there a way that we can kind of like go above and beyond, you know, for this? Or how do we make sure that this client is truly happy? It does free me up a little bit. And here is a little bit more about your influence in the industry and maybe the impact that you've had, because I'm hoping people who listen to this will take in a lot of what you're saying, which is the creative process is truly collaborative and that sometimes you have to let go of the reins while still having a direction, having a North Star, where you want to go, but trusting other people around you. What ways do you believe you made an impact in the event industry? Yeah, I mean, just by the sheer nature and volume of the work that we've done, there's something to be very proud of there. You know, I think it's not unfair to say that we are prolific and have been prolific for decades now. So, you know, no one has run further or farther or faster or done more things in more places with more collaborators than Empire. I think that's probably fair to say. I think that I have really applied a both a creative mind and a analytical mind to how we produce the best work in events? What is the best process? What are the best tools? I wonk out. I get into it and say like, this spreadsheet would be far superior for helping us determine how to allocate costs across a budget for a phase one and a phase two and to apply them to specific deliverables. Like that, that sounds pretty boring, but like that's- I know, it sounds very money ball to me. Uh, it is, a little it, shout out to your brother, but it sounds yeah. like a little money ball. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think we've made very important process innovations you know, in the industry. I think as somebody that came of age in the entertainment industry or the corporate you know, entertainment industry at a time when it was a wild west and producers in my seat were not necessarily thought of as the most trustworthy people. They were just trying to take advantage in some instances to corporations. I think that we have helped contribute to a culture of mutual respect and trust between producers and the clients that hire them and engage them, which has led to better collaborations and better ability for everybody to get along and produce the best work. I've uh, been working a lot on our sort of like mission statement, you know, thinking about like, what is, you know, like I've trained, I mean, the, hundreds of people have come through Empire. Many of them are still here, but some are not. And the skill sets that they got, the education that they got, the real world training to become producers and then to go on and work in different organizations and bring that to those organizations, I think is a big part of our legacy because we have a lot of highly capable and competent peoples out there making a difference in the world. To come back to my point, sorry, I'm not a soundbiteable guy. I never will. Be. No, no, this is this is all excellent stuff. It's, it's going to lead me into my next question, but let me let me just finish, please. I think maybe one element of what I hope will be our legacy is a philosophy of thinking about events and convenings, and I can sort of sum it up in this way: People talk about the moment that's in front of you. This now, you and I talking here. This is real. This is our life. This is the only thing that's real. Our memories of the past are abstract. Our worries or ambitions for the future are abstract. The only true real thing is this moment that you and I inhabit together or the listener is listening to right now, thinking that synthesis, that's being human with each other. Part of our legacy, I think, is thinking about moments can be here or moments can be here right? A moment when you're waiting in a hospital room, you know, like in pain, that's kind of living below the baseline of where you want to live your life. A moment where you're 
backstage with Taylor Swift or at the last Dead & Co. show, you know, just vibing with 50,000 people around you, that's an elevated moment. And I think to some degree, our objective should be to live as much of our lives as possible on the north side of that experience in elevated moments. And to create big moments requires creativity, but it requires engineering, requires these two different sides of the brain. And I think with Empire, what we've been able to do is to deploy these abundant skill sets and resources to consistently on behalf of clients, elevate moments. So our new mission statement, which we're sort of rolling out internally, is that we produce moments that matter, that creating these moments where a product is launched, a perception is incepted, you know, into the human consciousness, a money shot photo of something, you know, the open grand, you know, opening of Palm Island or something similar to that. These are the moments that elevate our lives. And I think what I and my colleagues are committed to is applying all of those skills and, and abilities to elevating moments and creating moments that actually have impact and matter, both in terms of it made the people there happier and made them feel like they were better, but also because we're contributing to helping solve climate change and the sustainable development goals and promoting inclusion and you know hopefully being on the right side of history and putting businesses together with funding sources so that they can innovate the next thing. All of this engineering that we do as producers finds its way into utility for our civilization in terms of advancing our goals. So for all those reasons, I say that empire produces moments that matter. And that's our hashtag handle, empire produced. Empire produced. Well, talk about elevating an experience and elevating a moment. This podcast has been great. I'm going to end right there because I don't think we can top that. I'm inspired. I feel uplifted listening to you. I hope people who listen to this have the same experience I'm having with you live because you do have a great sense of the bigger picture and you know of being that in that present moment, having that elevated experience and shooting for that and to make a difference. I know Empire is making a difference in every event that they do, making a difference with people who are getting it an opportunity to experience it. And just the idea, you know, as you said, you started off by talking about creativity and the collaboration process. I hope people look at creativity a little different. It's not just your idea. It's your idea plus someone else's idea. And we'll all come yeah. together to create something great. Yeah, that's it. It's great. Hey, JB, thanks so much for joining me here. It's been great to catch up with you. I really appreciate it and continued success. I feel like I want to be mentored by you or something. I think I need to get some sort of mentor. Prior. I am so psyched and jazzed to do something creative after speaking to you. Why don't we, uh, let's let's figure that out after this call. Okay, let's definitely. Thanks, JB. Thank, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it, Scott. That's it for now. I've been your host, Scott Bloom, corporate event MC and comedic keynote speaker. And of course, your connoisseur of connections. Oh, by the way, if you're interested, you can book me for your next event on eSpeakers Marketplace at eSpeakers.com forward slash marketplace. And if you like what you heard, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you loved what you heard, drop us a review and don't forget to share with your friends. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers. Thanks so much for listening. 
Now go out and make your event a great one. 